Assalamu alaikum guys, it's your girl Yazzy Yaz. It's your girl Honey Hal. Back at it again with another video. <laughs> with another video. Welcome back guys. <laughs> I hope you've had a great time just chilling and self-isolating mm -hmm. and prioritizing on your well-being. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like Honey said it, well I believe it's been I believe five or six months. So like I think February is um when we last recorded together and I think that was our relationship and uh, marriage. Um, podcast. First of all, that got a lot. That blue. That blue. Y'all are so noisy. Are y'all getting married? Are y'all talking to niggas? Like, why did that blow? Since all, all of a sudden there was a huge spike. I love that. I love that. We we really got like a lot more um, fans and subscribers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. I think this episode is gonna be super super different. I'm so excited to introduce this, and I think this is gonna be one of my favorite ones because. It's basically us studying abroad, living abroad, doing it foreign, you know? Yeah. And this episode's gonna be titled um, Taking Berlin. So, Hani and Yaz, well, we're not even taking, took. We took. <laughs> we took. I came. Us. I saw. I conquered. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like this. It's gonna be super interesting. Um, we're just gonna talk about our journey um, before, like during the application process, um, us arriving, uh, how we adapted, um, what we learned, and then also the like, Final one's going to be like hindsight 2020, what we learned, what we're going to take from it. And then um, what we're going to end on is advice to future international students. Well, like, this is something that I wish pod like, podcasters that I listened to had experienced this mm -hmm. and um, given feedback. Not even. I feel like universities should let mm -hmm. uh, students who've experienced the Erasmus program actually mm -hmm. speak up mm -hmm. on it mm -hmm. because... A lot of the advice that we got were from administrators mm -hmm. and professors and stuff like that, mm -hmm. not students themselves. Mm -hmm. So maybe if we got into contact with students mm -hmm. and actually asked them on a personal level, I mm -hmm. feel like that would have broadened our experiences and we could have mm -hmm. learned more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I 100% agree with that. As you said, I think faculty members were the ones that were just telling us about it. And even if they were telling, it was quite vague. And I really, I feel like I needed someone to, um, someone on the ground, someone that had experienced this, who had knowledge, and that can just pass on that, you know, that knowledge to us. And uh, but Alhamdulillah, as as it goes, you know, every experience is knowledge. Um, and I think that's something that we've gone through here. We've grown, we've matured in every aspect of life, and um, we just really want to share that knowledge. And I think that links back to our whole podcast. It's all yeah. about learning and loving. It's why we started it Period. in the first place. For real, for real, it really is. So without further ado, honey, I'm going to ask you a few questions and we're just going to go from there. So the first segment is, let's talk about the process. So how was the application process for you, my lovely? Disgusting. <laughs> like it was actually disgusting. <laughs> oh, no, but honestly, I think um, we spoke about it before. It was, it was it was basically straightforward. I think a, a lot of it was back and forth with your administrator and making sure that you've got all your documents ready. But at the same time, I think um, what I wish I considered was um, the timing. A lot of, like, I remember just being so stressed out because there was so much forms that needed to be signed. I had to go to my tutor. I had to speak to so many people. I remember going to our coordinator's um, office like four times a week and making sure that I had all of my documents ready and I remember signing things yeah it it was long but at the same time I knew it was going to be worth it and um I just want to add that the process took about before I left for Berlin the entire process took about like five months mm -hmm. and that's just me going back and forth mm -hmm. through email mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um as Hani said I 100% 
the process was pretty straightforward. It was very simple, but I think um, just the paperwork and also um, corresponding between FU, which is University of Hair University, and um, Bre- um, sorry, Brunel, it was long because I think it was like a three-way. So they would send them an email. They would forward yeah. it to me. I'd have to respond. The, it was just back and forth. Yeah. So I feel like that was really stressful. I really mm-hmm. didn't like that. And I didn't like how they would give me like a certain, um, basically they would give me a deadline. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't really like um, meet the deadline because I had to wait on one more person. Mm-hmm. So as you said, I think it'd be obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely forgot. I was only talking from the perspective of my home university. I completely forgot about the host university here mm-hmm. in Berlin mm-hmm. and this was even harder because I had access to Bruno. I can go to the university, but mm-hmm. I couldn't go to their home office here for international students. So, mm-hmm. and plus the whole time difference and when the schedule, uh, when the university opens mm-hmm. and when they get to answer my messages, that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as you said, like it was just a lot of paperwork. But don't let that deter you. Yeah, it's, it's worth, worth it. it. It's hundred because you worth it. Um, no, but um, I think um, I really want to talk about like the because I remember Bruno we done personal statements, interviews, and stuff. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Mm, I don't really? know if I want to talk about that. It's okay. Should I? Should I? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, to quickly sum up my um, my interview, I remember all I remember is um, uh, two hours before I was supposed to have my interview, I yeah yeah i came early i went to a cafe cafe nero mm-hmm. i ordered my coffee sat down and went through my bullet points and my speaking points and what i wanted to say and then i remember getting there and then i remember wearing a tight skirt don't wear that don't wear that like if you're gonna be if you're going to interview please wear comfortable clothes and i felt claustrophobic darren i'll tell you <laughs> i couldn't breathe <laughs> it was so hard to breathe and yeah it was the whole time I kept thinking like bitch where's the oxygen and then um uh some questions that they were asking is like why you want to do it um do you like languages that was one question and I was like yeah I like languages and then um yeah I want to learn German so, do I speak one look of German though <laughs> yeah um and then they were like, okay, so if you like learning languages, how will you make sure that you actually learn languages? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'll take a language course and at the same time, I will avoid English speakers. And I remember them just laughing, like the entire room just filled up with laughter and I was like, yeah, I've got this in the bag. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Um, my one was, um, I can't even, it was weird. It was like, because um, I knew the question that they would ask would be about what I wrote. So I made sure that I studied everything that I wrote so you can't catch me out. I wish you would. Like, I knew exactly what they were going to ask because um, they basically looked at my application. So that was like the, the first, the personal statement. Um, and then I think they looked over it over a few days and then they'd done the interview process. So I just made sure I basically studied um, what I wrote, um, had key points. I also looked at online questions about um, like the, type of question, the types of questions, the popular questions that would come up. Um, so I feel like I was well versed and prepared, alhamdulillah. The interview process, it wasn't bad. Um, I think my first choice was Berlin, and then I think we had Barcelona down. But he he just because I think Barcelona was number two, and then it was Netherlands, and he just cut me up and he was like, "Not gonna lie, Barcelona they speak Spanish. Can you speak Spanish?" I was like, mm, "Gracias muchos." Like I don't speak nothing, and he was like, "Yeah, you can't have that. Change it to something else." So I think I got not. It wasn't Paris. It was Ren. It was like another university in uh, France, um, and then we started talking about France and the whole like, Islamophobia that's going on and secularism, and I just feel like. Um, it was weird. I feel like he was trying to catch me out. But um, as I said, like he was asking about a lot of language. Like, do you have language skills? And I said, I'm, I speak three languages. 
I'm fluent in two Somali and um, what's it called English um, but I'm willing to learn and I said I think that's that eagerness like I, I feel like I would thrive in an environment because um, it's just it's not all about um, experience it's just all about your willingness you know um, and I told him that I said I'm really like interested in like I, like I really want to be in a new environment I want to take in different culture I want to be like outside of London and the UK and outside of my comfort zone I really stressed about my comfort zones mm-hmm. and I said how university is a safety net and I want to really push myself and I think me studying abroad in a foreign country would do that so I think um that's one thing that I, I think he liked that I said um but other than that like the whole process was fine alhamdulillah but I knew where I wanted to go I always knew Berlin was for me um as soon as that came up as well because um, I've been to Germany before obviously I didn't study German in GCSEs I've done French so I feel like the language did throw me off so we'll come back to that later on um I think during the second segment but overall like the application process was fine um do you want to talk about like your expectations um just uh going back to the application process Mm -hmm. one tip I would like to say is when you're writing your uh personal statement look at the university uh, courses that you'll be taking. So, for example, we're politics students. We went on to their politics degrees and looked at all their courses, picked the ones that we liked and talked about in our personal statement. And I found that a lot of them are similar to the ones that I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. you could basically just say that I want to strengthen my knowledge in this area mm-hmm. by comparing and contrasting the ones that I'm doing here in my university to mm-hmm. the ones in abroad. Mm-hmm. And I think they really like that. Mm-hmm. And as you said, um, here what we're doing is North American Studies and um, Politics. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one module that we've done. I think was American Foreign Policy. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. Um, so I, 100% I linked it back to that as well. That's why I do extensive research not only in the university because you can think oh my gosh Barcelona oh my gosh like um Berlin but look at the actual you know the content the course and uh, what you want to hopefully pick as your uh, modules and talk about that and I think that's one of the reasons why we got accepted um alhamdulillah it was okay um do, do you want to move on to the next one the expectations yeah like what was your expectations of Berlin um I do this thing where um like I don't have expectations and mm-hmm. this I don't know, if a therapist was to analyse me, maybe she would link it back to past trauma. Mm. But when you put expectations on things and you put it up to a certain value and it doesn't meet up to the values that you set, you'll be disheartened and it will throw you off so much so that it might impact you on your well-being. So I think you need to go in there with an open mind because we did this alone. No parents, no safety nets. And for me to have a, a made-up perception of what I think it was, like if I'm if I'm going to study abroad and I'm thinking I'm going to meet so much friends, I'm going to go to all these parties, I'm going to build all this network and confidence, stuff like that, and that doesn't happen, you'll feel like your entire experience was a waste. When chances are you learned something or you got good grades or you've, you've made networks and stuff like that. So don't don't put expectations on anything you know have your expectations low mm. and see and go from that mm. that's what I would recommend mm. my one's completely different to honey I'm not gonna let you I did um have high expectations and it's weirdly enough every time I go somewhere I have high expectations and I think that's something that I've learned not to have expectations on things not that me having a high expectation of Berlin um it basically didn't meet that and I was disheartened like I feel like it was even better than I had imagined but at first it was hard because it's like you already have this preconceived notion of what it's going to be like and I feel like I was very familiar in Germany so I just thought oh my gosh because I've been to this part it's going to be like this um, and then when I came it was different like it was so different to London and as you said like I'm so used to London I feel like every capital city is different um, so it was just weird getting used to I think the first couple of months 
Uh, so we'll talk about that a bit later. I also want to add that if you're coming from a place where that's all you've ever known, so we've all we've ever known is London, like we've barely got out and when we do it's just for holiday and then we come back but here we've been here for almost a year mm-hmm. so the whole time I found myself subconsciously connecting it back to London and mm-hmm. seeing how it how it differs and I realized that stop you need to stop doing that it's a completely different country it has a completely different culture why do you need to compare it and I wish I found that out sooner because mm-hmm. I remember in the beginning part of my um exchange program that's all I did I would, like every time I would speak to my friends and they're like okay so what's it like in London I'd be like all I would do is compare mm. and I think that's boring if you're not going to talk about anything else about yourself or what you're studying stuff like that instead of all your friends or what the scene is said and like don't don't raise your point because I feel like that's boring and also it makes them feel shit about their country as well mm-hmm. I feel like um as you said um it was different. I did have high expectations. So when I came, I expected it to be 10 times like better than London. And in some aspects it was. Um, but I feel like it was wrong of me to have like a preconceived notion. Um, because like I feel like the first couple of months, we're going to talk about that later. But it's just adapting was really, really difficult, especially with the language. We're going to come back to that, don't worry. Um, but yeah, honestly, the expectation I set was very high. Looking back in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have. But I feel like that's why I wish I had someone that like studied abroad. So they could have told us this. Because it's like the faculty didn't really tell us. So we had to go through it alone. And obviously, me and Hani have each other. But it's like um, we were from different parts of London. We only know so much. So much, know? yeah. 100%. We, we tried our best to like... Navigate. Um, navigate and discuss Mm -hmm. with each other what we're doing and stuff like that and how to go about it Mm. but this is definitely a job for an insider Mm. Um, yeah if you if you really want to know the ins and out you need a local or Mm. somebody who's done this before Mm -hmm, 100% so I think that's one thing that we just want to really summarize the whole process so we're going to come back to the second segment welcome back to our second segment so our second segment is going to be about um Actually, us arriving here. So this was September 2019. It feels like a lifetime ago. Um, honey, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Like, how did you feel? Like, what was your first, like, few thoughts when you first arrived in Berlin? Yeah, I remember I arrived first. <laughs> and I just remember not being scared. Like, I actually thought I would cry. I didn't, which is a shock. But, yeah, it's... Um, so when I first got onto... When I first got off the plane... And I went to the terminals where you can like a hail, hail a cab. I was bombarded by smokers. Smokers everywhere. And I just remember inhaling all the fumes and not being able to breathe. So that's what I think of when I landed. And also, um, yeah, it was so weird. I felt like such a grown up because I ordered my own cab without speaking a lick of German. Also, I got to the place. Um, to the address even though it was at multiple houses so I just randomly picked which house I was going to be in and alhamdulillah it was the right one um yeah and I remember trying to open because I wasn't given a door number I was just trying to open so many different doors within the accommodation and then my room is the last door on the corridor so I had to go through the entire corridor and then when I opened the door I was like okay so this is going to be my room yeah that's my experience. Mm-hmm. My one was super, super, super different. Well, I feel like September, guys, when I think of September, September 2019 was probably the most traumatizing month because it was like um, I was still working part-time. I was finishing up my um, internship at the law center. 
uh, legit and I was flying out so when I finished my last day in the law center and I had a shift that weekend I was flying out like the next day or two days after and like originally I was gonna book my flight me and we were gonna go together but because I had to finish off my um I think 280 hours um I stayed behind and I had to rebook another ticket guys I feel like if I didn't have my mom with me I feel like I would have I would have I would have broke down mentally I probably would have gone to a cycle subhanAllah because it was like um I was telling hoy hoy like I don't think I'm ready I think I might stay in Brunel like I was having so much doubt while I believe Alhamdulillah hoy really pulled through it and I feel like she she's that type of person originally she really didn't she never said she didn't want me to go she said I like I remember we talked about this in December she said to me Wallahi like when you came to me with this I was so proud of you um Need the deep down, I didn't look you want you to go, I wanted you to stay, but I knew this was bigger than me, so I, I knew you had to experience this, and like I would never say no to you. Um, but she was like, you know what, because when you came to me and said, Oh, you were having doubts and stuff, like I was like, Nah, she was like, I'm gonna come with you, we're gonna pack all your stuff, don't worry, like you got this. And she helped me sell, I think she came for like three days, alhamdulillah. So that first three days was fine, like I feel like she was like my safety, like, like safety blanket, whatever. Um, we came, it was so weird when we first landed. The first thought I had was, This airport is fucking small. Like, bro, like, what is this shit? Like, I was so confused. This was, like, a tiny airport. I think it was at Tegel. Um, Yeah, the airport was just shit. Um, I think when I first stepped out, like, I noticed how, like, um, very, like, the, it was, like, very green, like, open space. Like, I really liked that. And, like, I, it reminded me of my mom of, of um, Norway, Oslo, where I was originally born. It was different. And I feel like that's when I knew, like, oh, I think I'm going to like this place. Like, it's so different to London. Because London, like, our houses, especially where we live in Northwest London, the houses are so overcrowded. Like, I promise you, there's blocks of roads and like everywhere you go there's always a, like a bunch of houses and the pro the thing with london is the houses are is it semi-detached or whatever it's all i know is like it's a bunch of houses together so there's like no space um it just feels like greedy and stuff but um yeah uh, just i want to quickly talk about that fun fact the reason why those houses are closely built together and literally no space at all mm -hmm. is the fact that during the 40s and whatever when it was built families typically were of two people so mm. two children is what i mean mm. um yeah so that's the domestic family they had but they wouldn't they never accounted for how the population would would increase especially after the war mm. with an influx of immigrants mm. and since then they haven't changed the housing structures but rather built accommodations and apartments for wealthier people mm. and that's how the housing system has failed us so, so that's going to be a whole other episode well, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do that in season two it's very interesting but yeah i just felt like london like i feel like i just needed a break from that i feel like berlin as i said it was like my lifeline it was like a new it was like the perfect opportunity to just catch a break reinvent myself find out who i was and as you said you know like when you look at exchange students like I don't like to call myself an exchange student, but it's like, oh, like, it reminds me of those people that wear berets and just smoke. Obviously, yeah. like, I don't smoke, but it's like, like, she cute. really, guys, let me quickly expose her. She really had this misconception that you needed a beret to fit in. Period. Like, I remember she trying to push the whole beret right. thing on me, and I'm like, it's just like, it's I'm just telling bad. you, nobody wears berets. Just berets are cute. Yeah, They're cute, stuff. but it's like, but that was my notion. I feel like beret. Beret was a bit of me. Like, I, we wore that in Paris. Oh, I wore that. <laughs> Iconic. But Allah like, um, yeah, like I just feel like an exchange student. Like I had a different notion of it. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel like an exchange student. One thing that pushed me was because um, I didn't really find any like coloured ethnic minority people doing um, um what's it called? Actually, like studying abroad yeah, international. We are pioneers. We are pioneers within our own rights. Allah like, And I feel like that's one thing that I really from the new challenge and just see what an experience of like studying abroad would be like for a modern day black Somali Muslim. Do you know what I mean? Young female, like, and I feel like, alhamdulillah, that we got that. So, like, yeah, I feel like that when I first arrived, I was very anxious. Um, I was excited. As I said, I had high expectations, and I, I expected them to be met. 
um I think that's uh, yeah like that's probably my expectation um, yeah I think when I said it I breezed through the first two weeks so the first two weeks or I think two weeks in a bit I was alone completely alone by myself in terms of the airport part I, I wasn't scared I was able to navigate my way around it and safely come to the accommodation but the hardest part was being alone for two weeks that I think that has been the two, the two weeks um the hardest weeks of my study ball period because I would just be phoning Hoyot and be speaking to my siblings and it that two weeks dragged on for so long and now two weeks is going by fairly quickly um yeah it's just like I was homesick I was just trying to adapt to entirely entirely different environment yeah that was really hard mm. I, I just want to say to anybody that that might do because it's not easy and I don't want to glamorize something that isn't Mm-hmm. I, I love how you just done that because I, as we're telling you this, and I don't want you guys to think, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing, but we're also going to talk about like the, the the bad times, the negatives, all of that. As you said, I came, whoever came with me for three days. I've been meaning to had two different experiences, but like overall, when we look back, we did have like similar experiences, just at different times. Um, she had her two weeks. Me, like my mom came, and then I was, uh, I had, I was alone for a week, and then my friend came for my birthday. Alhamdulillah, she has a shout out to you, gang gang. Um, and then I was alone and I feel like that two weeks after that it was like me adapted because like when you have people around like as you said um, like you're not alone with your thoughts you're always busy even when my when my cousin Eva came it's like I didn't have time to think like I, I it's about them and it's not about you and your space so I feel like when they left like I really just got to know myself a lot more um, and I just like discovered myself um, alhamdulillah it wasn't easy um, but like you just have to adapt with life and I feel like it was so hard because it's like we're not used to that we're so used to a sheltered life especially back home in London we live with our family our parents our siblings our friends like, it's such a Christian life that when you move away not only you're living alone you're in a completely different country you don't speak the lick of a language like you're you have nothing you start in fresh and I feel like subhanAllah that was very very challenging and it was hard um but like wallahi like looking back now like I would I'll do, do it again. again. I'll do it again, yeah. And I feel like that's a good thing we talked about how like we adapted. Like what in what ways did you adapt? Like what was like mm-hmm. did you adapt? Um what ways I adapted? I think it's just having overall confidence. You know, when I first um arrived and I would walk walk in the streets or whatever, just go about my day, I would walk with uncertainty. I w- I would always walk with this feeling hovering above me, thinking, You're gonna get lost. You don't know how to navigate the city. You don't know how to communicate with other people and ask for help or directions or whatever it may be. But now it's like I can go to somebody, a, a stranger, and ask them, where is this place? I can navigate the entire city. Literally, I can navigate outside of Berlin. Like, that's how mm-hmm. that's how pro I am now. Mm-hmm. And also, um, what's it, just uh, meeting people and communicating with people, even though that they don't speak English and befriending them and like learning about different cultures and stuff like that yeah I'm just broadening your horizon mm-hmm. I think that's how I changed as a person mm-hmm. I feel like one way that I really adapted is I tried bringing things that I would do in London back here with me um I tried going to like different places trying out different things um I remember when I first started I was I didn't want to get a job first and foremost but I really liked volunteering and that's something that I really do in London so um alhamdulillah like, I found this volunteering place um and I'd go at the beginning I'd go like two or three times a month but then I just started going once a month um shout out to Boston gang gang um and like I just met different people and I feel like every week I met different people but the crazy thing is like I would make like I want to say friends, um, people that like acquaintances and like we'd write down each other's numbers so we'd let each other know when we're coming in so we'd schedule to meet each other and stuff like that and I think um, 
it allowed me to meet new people to also get to know them as well because then none of them were like some none of them were German some of them were German but like they, they all came from different parts of life American Mexican Argentinian um Polish Hungary. like they're all different and I feel like one thing I loved is like we, we were able to connect because um our passion of like helping people and just trying out new things and also just putting ourselves out there as well so as you said confidence as well like someone could like you could look at someone and think, oh, they're so confident as well. But it's like, in what ways are they confident? Um, so I think just going out there, meeting new people, being very social and like, um, yeah, just like taking risks, I guess. And alhamdulillah, I think that's one thing that I will remember Berlin for, um, volunteering, just giving my time and just meeting different people. I'd be like, because I feel like they, they did make my experiences. Um, but I feel like in one way, in another way that we all adapted is um, I had Honey, but we also met Noor and um, Nara. Oh, yeah. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Guys, I can't stress enough, like, you know the friends that you have now, how special they are to you. Think of think of a relationship that you can make outside of the country, and you connecting with this person not only on like an emotional level but on a spiritual level. Mm. Like you, your minds think alike, and you've never met this person. They live in a completely different continent. Mm. Yeah, and you just click within a matter of days, mm. and it's like. And you build such a beautiful relationship and then one day you know that you have to let them go and you have to go your separate ways. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the hardest things about mm -hmm. study abroad. Because mm -hmm. it's like you meet these people and it's like um, you've enjoyed the time that you've had and you just go your separate ways. And I feel like I'm a firm believer in um, like in another assault, like the realm of souls, like people did meet and people did like each other. And I feel like not another, they were that. You know when you just meet people there's always this familiarity. Maybe it was religion, maybe it was uh, sisterhood, womanhood, whatever it was like we just knew them, you know? And I feel like it was really special, like, the time that we had with them. And I feel like that's another thing that I'm taking with me. So I feel like adapting, well, I feel like, like the people that you meet, having, like, a close-knitness. Obviously, like, um, me and Hani, we lived in the same um, stu student, like, basically flat apartment. But um, obviously, we had our own different rooms. We had our own different friendship groups. Like, But it was, like, that homeness, you know? And I feel like um, our home was our safety. You know? And I feel like the fact that we got to share that with Noor, it was really nice. It was, like, a really, it was, like, a sisterhood vibes. Um, yeah, that's adapting. Um, and also... Let's talk about teaching classes. Mm -hmm. How's that different to Bruno? This is so different. Honestly, <laughs> looking back, I think I can draw similarities to secondary school. Just like the um, the classroom arrangement, the way it's arranged and the positioning of students. Whereas like in lectures, it's like we're facing the lecturer mm -hmm. and it's only one way and he's facing us. But here it's like I'm facing somebody and somebody's facing another person and the lecturer is somewhere in the centre or... Yeah, and I think it, it makes you less prepared and more, um, more like how should I say, like anything can happen. Whereas in in universities in the UK, it's like I'm just gonna go to my lecture. He's gonna talk a lot. And I'm just gonna listen and maybe take notes. But here it's like you're unprepared. You never know what's going to happen. He can call on you, and probably he will, because that's what happened to me. Oh girl, being the only black person in the class, I'm getting PTSD right now. But basically, I got pulled up on a lot, and I'm not that opinionated in the sense that, like, I will say my my piece and that's it. But it's really interesting how people, and by people I mean the students themselves, will challenge you. They will actually pull upon you. So if I say one point, somebody else could be like, "Yeah, I completely agree." But, and that's so interesting because we never have that dialogue in the UK. I don't think anybody is brave enough to actually voice their opinion. You might agree with somebody subconsciously, but you'll never say it aloud. And I think that the uh, seating arrangement and the way the room is structured 
gives students the opportunity to actually talk to each other instead of just us facing the lecturer directly. Mm. It's funny that you just said challenge as well because I, it was so weird for me to adapt at first. I remember one of my classes, I think I was probably the only black Muslim girl. Actually, first of all, I think in all my classes, I'm probably the only black Muslim girl, obviously the ones that I have with Hani. Um, and I think there was this one case where um, I was talking about something, was it presenting? No, it wasn't presenting. The teacher said something and I uh, said something, um, like I basically was it called? It was something, I basically said something, and then um, he agreed with what I said, and then it was just weird how another girl, she's a female, she said something, and then I replied back to her, and then she challenged me again, I was like, bitch, like, I made my point, like, what do you want? And I said, I said what I said, said, and I meant what I said, god damn it, and it was just weird, because it's like, they all agreed with me, but she just kept, and I was like, you know what, like, let her, like, maybe this is her learning lesson, whatever. But that's what I mean, it's different. like, here, the mentality is so different, like in the UK, we take university for granted. Mm. Whereas here, it's like, it's uh, especially in the degree that we do, it's very opinionating. You need mm. to have strong opinions, mm. and you know, chances are you're either going to meet a lefty or a right wing person. Mm. Um, also, here because they think that like their time here is so valuable, they're going to take every moment. Uh, to express their thoughts, to actually challenge people, and even lecturers. Sometimes the lecturers can be overwhelmed with how enthusiastic students are mm. and how much they're willing to participate. I don't think a lot of them are actually prepared, and it's always the same people talking sometimes. Hundred mm-hmm, percent, and I feel like that's one thing that I really had to adapt to because in the UK I'm so used to saying one thing, and it's either you agree with me or you don't. Like majority of time you would agree with me, um, but then. Being here, like obviously everyone's challenged, like certain people will challenge you and like you challenge them back. So it's like a back and forth, it's like a, a rebuttal and like it's a debate. Um, but I think I'm um, like low I'm not going to you. Like I feel like it was annoying because it's like I said what I said. Like why are you disputing me, like bro? Um, so maybe it was like an ego thing. Maybe I'm not used to like someone challenging me, you know. Um, but like I think that's something that I learned to appreciate because um, it was a different experience and it allowed me to like learn and say, you know what, like Yaz, you won't always be right. Um, and at the same time, other people's um views and opinions it doesn't take away from your own views and opinions and you can disagree to agree like you don't need to like point blank period like i said that class like you know like i think open it helps you for the real world 100 100 because i feel like brunel really did it yeah. it was just like someone it said something the teacher would agree yeah. where someone said no i disagree i'll tell you why like and you just had that back and forth so i feel like i learned to appreciate that it was a constant debate mm. and also you can see where people's priorities lie and what they value i think mm. i feel like that was so interesting to me because what i see like a lot of the issues that i care about are more to do with the social mm. uh, on a social basis so like how it impacts people directly whereas other person could be talking from an economic standpoint mm. be like yeah but we need to make sure that the economy is good and whatever stuff mm. and it's interesting because it makes you think about other alternatives outside of you, what you normally think of. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I think it's a good thing. Um, one thing I really want to say, their classes were so different to the ones in the UK. UK, we all like we all like studied the same um, course. We all had like into IP international politics. We all done the same courses, so we all and we all probably studied golf pole in uh, A levels, maybe history, sociology, whatever it was. Um, whereas there, someone could be doing music and they're doing like they're taking politics class. Someone could be doing art. They could be doing English. So it was it was really refreshing to have like different ideas, different viewpoints. Everyone coming together, and I really learned a lot. What I've learned, like as you said, making like quote unquote friendships. Um, but it was it was super interesting because it's like they came from different walks of life, all different countries. Um, a lot of them were exchange students. A lot of them were here for their. Um, they basically lived abroad and they moved to Germany to have their bachelor's degree. So um, just the diversity in this, I think I really, I really loved about um, 
FU and just the, also do you want to talk about like the teaching style As you, oh I think you talked about it it's I talked about the teaching style but yeah I just want to elaborate on like you choosing different um mm-hmm. I think I wish Brunel did this so that you know we can offer a broader opinion mm-hmm. like um yeah I'm not just limited because if if we're taking politics classes we're only going to be talking about it from one particular perspective mm-hmm. I'm a politics student I took photography class, I took an English literature class, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I got to talk about, and I was, what's so interesting is that I was speaking so confidently, even though I've, I haven't studied this mm-hmm. course in years, I haven't done uh, art or photography in a while, I haven't done English lit since mm-hmm. year 11. Mm-hmm. So, but I was still confident in what I was talking about, and I enjoyed myself, and I was and I found myself contributing to more as opposed to the lectures that I have within my degree. Mm. I feel like maybe it's just the open space as well because they give you that platform. As you said, it's like a classroom environment because my, maybe majority of my classes were, I think the highest ones were probably maybe 70 or 60, but um, like the other ones were like, like between 10 to 20, so I'd say an average of 15. Um, and like, as you said, it was like the layout, it was like classroom vibes, this teacher sits in the front and then there's everyone sits around him. Um, so it's like a debate type of um, environment. And it was very open and it was different, as you said. Um, and I think, as you said, like I took ec- economic classes, econ classes, I took uh, English lit, I took creative writing. I'm like, um, so it was it was very different to what I'm so used to in Bruno, which is like international politics, you know, history. So um, alhamdulillah, like I feel like I really loved that. And it gave us an idea to just branch out and see what we like. Because I think this course, is, we took journalism, basically. Mm-hmm. I took a couple of journalism classes as well. I'm just so happy that I have that. And inshallah khair, I take that with me with this the future as well. Like, who knows? And you can honestly um, put that towards your degree. Mm-hmm. You can expand on it. Mm-hmm. If you took economics, mm-hmm. how can you implement that in your degree think, that you're yeah. doing now? Yeah, that could be dissertation as well. And I feel like taking certain classes really inspired hopefully what I want to do in my um, final year dissertation so yeah like we don't always have to learn the same thing as well and alhamdulillah we branched out um the final part of the second second segment is um the German lifestyle how did you assimilate or did you assimilate mm, I think that was probably the hardest part mm. just assimilating to German society mm. uh yeah you know when people talk about like major cities especially berlin as one of them it's not that diverse as people say it is mm. i think it's diverse in the sense of what it can offer so in terms of food clothing and yeah and culture but in terms of actually seeing a black person mm. it's very low mm. and seeing a black hijabi is even significantly mm. lower there are muslims but i think uh german has germany suffers from this issue where it's like it's a uh, two country dominated so it's like you've got actual germans and you've got um one particular immigrant mm. dominant group which is turkish. turkish and i remember my friend explaining to me that the turkish are basically the black people of america mm. so it's a constant battle mm. between um fighting for social rights mm. and actually gaining um you know authority and a place in society they constantly struggle to preserve their identity mm. and yeah i think with um germans it's like they only take parts of their culture that they like for example they really like donna kebab uh-huh. and it's everywhere in germany especially mm. in berlin but they won't accept or tolerate their religion or mm. specific parts culture. of their culture yeah as you said as you said um i as you said it's like there's a main ethnic group and i feel i felt i always saw like um Turkish and Kurds, Moroccan as well, 
um, like as the main ones, and then there's like because they came first, if you'd say, and then there's the Germans. But as you said, like people look at like um, Berlin as a cultural hub, and in terms of art, in terms of uh, literature, just all of these other like sphere, maybe like economy, businesses, all of that, it, it is a hub. But um, when it comes to like tolerance as well, it was a bit, it was a bit of a hit or miss. What I believe, because when people talk about oh, it's like the city of expression and freedom, it's like yeah if you're Adan, like, you can experiment with your sexuality, you can experiment with um, your fashion, your sense, you can experiment with so many things, but you won't experiment with religion. Like, suddenly, if you see a hijabi, it's a problem. Like, I always felt like when I first came, I got stares. Alhamdulillah, now I'm cool with this. Like, bitch, you look at me because I'm cute. Why are you mad? Honestly, if you're a black girl and you're watching this and you want to go to Berlin, baby, baby, call me. Call me. Be prepared to get stared at. And let's talk about the drip slash boys. Office. I'll talk about the drip now. Ooh, I'll talk about the drip. The drip. I feel like it, it. It took me a while to actually identify and pinpoint what the aesthetic is. When I first arrived, I thought that the aesthetic. And you, bear in mind, I arrived um, just in around autumn, so it's completely different to what it is now. When I arrived during autumn time, it was very conservative. There was no skin being showed. All of the females looked like dudes, and all of the dudes looked um, like professors. Mm. And now, especially if you, now that the sun's coming out and everybody's, um, yeah, everybody's going back to normal, the drip has has shifted. It's advanced mm. in the sense that everybody looks, and this could be inspired by TikTok. But everybody looks very much ego, e-boy. Mm. And um, I don't know if you guys have watched the show Skins, mm. but one of the characters um, is basically uh, like a popular style icon now. And everybody's trying to base their looks off of her. Mm. I just can't remember the name. Yeah, but I really like it. You know, it's interesting and it's given me 90s vibe with a bit of grunge. And, you know, if you go to the UK... Um, a lot of the chav culture is being appropriated now, but it's interesting to see how it's had a ripple effect in this country. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to come back to their fashion as well because it was very, very interesting. I think that's one of the main things that I did notice. But like, as I said, the German lifestyle here, it was so weird because that they would look at me not only because I'm like hijabi, because maybe they've seen hijabis, but they probably haven't seen a black hijabi. Um, so I feel like that was something that I had to get used to. Their language as well, guys. I did not speak a look of German, so I feel like I had to um, like brush up on it. Like, Honestly, basically. I think I'm actually getting better. Good. Well, like, and I feel like it's through experiences and also like uh, just pushing myself, so conversating regularly like, um, with them. Like when I'm in the supermarket as well, like I would learn certain things and I would phrase, so yeah. just working on that. So that's what I want to say. The best way to learn a new language is using everyday phrases. So yeah. learn an everyday phrase and then implement it in person mm. use it use it on your friends use mm. it in restaurants so like mm. if i want to go to the toilet mm. learn how to say that fluently and actually put it into practice because mm, the chances are if you're ordering the same coffee if you're um, um like if you're you know how much you're spending like also learn how to count as well so like when it comes numbers, to money yeah. numbers well, I'd be like, so, alhamdulillah like uh, uh, the longer i stayed here the more i got used to it but like one thing that i found so hard to say it was like there's a big drinking culture and smoking culture that's one thing that i realized and i remember like that first tour that we've done in a few there was this one middle guy. Sis, I hope he's not watching. Because <laughs> Jamie, we could have been friends, but um, Alhamdulillah, we were talking because I thought at first he was from Toronto. Um, he had that like Caribbean accent. He was telling me he was from St. Martin's. We just got talking and stuff like that, and he was telling me asking where I'm where I'm from, and like he just assumed because I wore hijab. I think he made like a comment. It was an off the cuff comment. He was like, "Oh, um, 
but like he, he's like oh you, so you, what's that like you wear a wrap and I was like no it's a headscarf so it's no he's from like, Toronto no he's not from I thought he was from Toronto I think he's from Holland or something like that but he's not from Amsterdam he's like from another city and he says girl I had to get him correct and he was like oh so what's that way and I was like oh I wear hijab and he's like oh okay so like do you smoke do you drink do you and I was like no I don't do that and he's also like what else do you do so I was just telling him what I do and stuff like that and he was like oh okay surprisingly you're different I was like what do you mean so I I, I, I kind of I felt like I had to educate him and I feel like Yaz in London would have been like fuck you you're ignorant you're intolerant but here I just feel like I had to like a lot of these people probably haven't seen like people like us and if they have they probably haven't socialized with them so alhamdulillah I used that as like a learning lesson as well he was cool and stuff um but I realized like they probably haven't seen us and if they do like as you said you know Kurds or Turks the ones that do feel hijab they probably don't assimilate like that um so yeah it was very difficult that's why I just want to say that's why you need to look fly at all times, times. ladies. Mm-hmm. At all look times, because you never know when a cute guy will approach you. I'm telling you this time from because he was cute. Oh, I, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but because you don't want to be looking busted, busted, and then people associate your color, the color of your skin, mm-hmm. with who you actually are and what mm-hmm. you're wearing and stuff like that. Yeah. So I feel like I had to constantly prove myself. Yeah. But that's another issue itself. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Uh, the other day I was in a gallery mm-hmm. and people um, what's it the guards kept looking at me and I'm thinking I'm what, I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what to say because I feel I feel like they're just trying to surveillance me and it's not the fact that I'm going to steal but it's just the fact that I'm the only black person in the room mm-hmm. I feel like I as you said it's like you feel like that pressure is on your shoulder even in classes I feel like I was like, like tokenism I felt like I was like representing the whole Muslim black community at times it was very difficult challenging but I just learned you know it's me and you're you do what you want to do and F them regardless you know um and like uh, as you said about oh you said something about fashion guys I feel like the fashion hair is giving me emo gothic and also quite dark like mm. they do draw upon them um, as you said like the skins character i know i know you talk about i can't remember the name um but i realize hair everyone wears black everyone wears black and i feel like um the uk as well like i i would wear black but like when i came out i was wearing more pop colors like i'd wear um, um, orange i'd wear red i'd wear white like i'd wear different colors because i'm um, i just want to stand out maybe that's because maybe i got the stage. young people's drip here is different by far exceeds the ones in london and i feel like with here um boys are more experimental mm. and are confident in terms of their yeah. masculinity mm. and what they want to wear whereas in london is more of a tracksuit yes yeah. uh, a good example is to, um yeah and just today i saw this boy wearing tracksuits mm. but he had like some sort of purse mm. and his hair was gelled mm. you know in the uk they will never Don't gel their that. hair yeah. a, a guy wearing tracksuits will never gel his hair mm. like in terms of you know like the old kind of 50s old yeah. hollywood gel Look, that's yeah. how he gelled his hair mm. and it looked really good and uh, and it contrasted very well with the tracksuit that looked more urban mm-hmm. uh, their fashion hair is really different especially the youth as well and i feel like one thing i love about hair is um people aren't here to experiment with their looks because if, if you do that in the uk or if you london specifically people will question you they'll question like your background your values your sexuality all of that but here they're like you know what i'm gonna do and some people can actually pull it off but like I don't think personally like the city is of drip. I feel like it's a city of expression. So whatever you want to wear, mm-hmm. no one will judge you. Sometimes I would leave the house in my um, bath sheet. Mm-hmm. I would actually leave it like because I would see people in their um what's it called uh, pajamas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So if I'm going to the contract, I actually do that. Like I'm not shying, you know. Um, but yeah, hair is very very different. Alhamdulillah. Would you ever walk around Central London in your bath? I feel like in the summer, hundred percent not in the winter. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like my drip changed in those seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Alhamdulillah, that was that wraps up like the second segment.
Going on to our third um, segment. So this is like hindsight 2020. So I just want to ask any a few questions. Um, so like, what did you learn? Like, what have you learned? You're nearly 12 months here. I, I think 11 months, 10 months, yeah. Nearly a year. What have you learned? Yeah. Um, I think I learned, yeah, I think it just goes back to the whole confidence thingy. Like I'm just so much more confident in myself now and like what mm-hmm. I want out of the world. Mm-hmm. and. I think I'm more confident in how what area of politics I want to work with before. So like when I applied, I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm doing a politics degree, which means I'm probably going to get into government. I'm probably going to be working with a charity. Okay, but what charity? What area in government? You need to specify those um those goals that you've set for yourself. So now I I have a much better understanding of politics, and that's because of the knowledge I found within study for so it's not I'm not only learning politics I'm learning about other things as well um but I think it's not the study abroad experience I think it's like other things that I'm doing as well so like me doing my own research um also you know I think it's like you need to be content with yourself you need to be your own uh cheerleader you know nobody's here it's it's literally been me and yes and half the time I'm by myself mm-hmm. so I think it's like you trying to boost yourself up you um work being able to work remotely as well as being self-motivational mm-hmm. towards yourself you, and then I feel like you also realize what the world is in terms of everybody's by themselves if you think about if you detach everything from one another if you move away from your friends you're alone if you in your room by yourself you're alone Mm. and some people aren't comfortable with that and I think I've normalized being alone by myself now if I'm by myself in a cafe I'm just like oh it's just another day you know Mm. I'm just I'm just going about my day whereas other people's like let me go on my phone let me text other people let me see what other people are up to Mm. and it's like I'm finally looking at myself. And when you look at yourself, you can improve on yourself. You can establish yourselves and see how you can progress. As well as look at the disadvantages, you know, we're not always perfect. There's always room for um, improvement. And now that I've been here by myself, I'm like, okay, so you do this. How can we improve that? Mm-hmm. You like this. How can we get you that? Mm-hmm. And I feel like now, especially being by myself, I don't really have to answer to anybody and I don't have to justify myself to anybody. And I don't have to explain how I feel to others as well because a lot of the other times, especially in the UK, it's like, yeah, but I feel like, but I would have done that. And it's like, I'm constantly in, a, what's it, a dialogue that's meaningless. It's not contributing to anything and it's not really making an impact to me or to you. So I'm just putting words in the air and it's a waste of breath whereas a lot of the words that I'm I mean well a lot of the words that I'm saying here are meaningful and a lot and I make sure that whatever I say is impactful so that could be improving somebody's um insight or educating somebody on a particular issue that they've never considered or contributing to a discussion in lectures so I feel like a lot of the things that I'm saying now are actually important and need to be discussed especially me being black Somali Muslim whatever you want to label me as I feel like a lot of my words now carry strength and weight Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was really insightful I love that I love that my one um what did I learn I learned a lot more about about myself um and like I know, like when people study abroad, the the, the main like phrase that they say is, "I want to rediscover myself. I want to learn myself." I want, but this one like it wasn't just myself and my personal. It was not none of that. It was like um, 
it was like a self-reflection I feel like I experienced that more towards the second half of my of the, the semester but the first half I really enjoyed my independence like I've always considered myself independent um someone that can um, navigate themselves through like different spaces um and like um just carry myself um well um but I think um this year or this study abroad was about choosing me so like being selfish with my time being selfish with my energy preserving my energy um also like guarding like my heart and I'm um, being very like um like my own champion as you said like I don't need anyone else so if, if I can live alone if I can um be alone in my own thoughts I don't like need anyone else alhamdulillah so as you said like being your own champion Allah is the main thing and like I think I said in my one of my um I can't remember it was one of my blog posts on Instagram I basically said the scariest thing about like being alone is that you're alone with your thoughts like living alone is like oh amazing freedom you can go and you want to do all of this you you're independent you're living life your best life but it's like sometimes when you're maybe before you're going to bed you're just thinking about what, how your day's been and you're just like you're in your own thoughts and it's like you're battling your own demons subhanallah and I've learned like I think to my 20 years of life or 19 years or whatever 20 years I've gone through life just um being very sheltered also because like I've been around like my family my friends and like being like the life of the party I never got to sit down and just um, connect with my emotions and be vulnerable like with myself and also around other people and I think that's something that I've emotionally like I say I'm a good communicator like on my CVs and stuff but like when it came to my personal life I was like a shit communicator in the sense that when I wanted something from people I didn't openly express it so when they disappointed me they would just see that oh it's fine but it's like deep down I'm like bro like what the actual fuck so I've learned to voice my opinions um, and know that I'm not I'm not in charge of how you take things. Like, I will say what I want to say. Obviously, I'll say it in a respectful way, but however you want to take it is up to you. So I've I've stopped, um like, sugarcoating things, alhamdulillah, and just focusing more on me as opposed to other people. So, um yeah, like, I think that's it. I learned more about Yasmin. Like, who is Yasmin? I've learned more about, hopefully, what I want to do in the future. Um, and just working towards that, like, as you said, like, it's not a, it's not a, what's it called? It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's going to take time. And I feel like because this was such a roller coaster, it reflects life. Like, uh, after I graduate, it's not going to be, oh, yes, got the perfect job. Oh, she's moved abroad. Oh, she got her house. Oh, she met the love of her life. Oh, she had children. Like, bro, in each stage of life, you're going to struggle. And I feel like Berlin, I did struggle, but like, I triumphed. And I feel like 2020, subhanAllah, by seven months into the year, and people are like, oh, 2020 has been a waste. Hasar. Like, no, you're breathing. You're breathing. Alhamdulillah, he's given you new life. What are you going to do with that, you know? Um, so just persevere through all that. I think that's one thing that I've learned and also self-reflect I think that's one thing that I've learned it's so important for you to hold yourself accountable also to just look at things from another perspective and actually hold yourself um, accountable question things and um, yeah like just well, self-reflection is very very important and I know we tend to self-reflect like we were like I think with my peers I do one thing you like one thing you dislike but I feel like I needed to do that more to myself um, but yeah I think that just links back to me so this was all about Yaz. Yeah, and also I just want to add, like, we've all built resiliency. Mm. I built resiliency, you built resiliency, and us, all of us living under COVID-19 mm. are stronger than when we were before. So I think it's about, I think it's like making sure that we keep this momentum going, and we see that a lot with protests, people holding politicians accountable you know we're being more resilient in terms of raising our voices mm -hmm. and we also need to be more resilient in terms of careers as well like make sure that you keep applying to, to those jobs mm -hmm. boost your cv gain experiences don't let covid stop you mm -hmm. you know it, it's just another obstacle and obstacles keep getting harder that's why they're there mm -hmm. you know so you need to make sure that you keep 
yeah, you just have resiliency and make sure that you look, you're on the lookout and make sure that you're constantly striving to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And also, one thing that I've been doing whilst I've been here is documenting, whether that be through film, photography, or other mediums like social media. Mm-hmm. Document your happiness because you never know when you might be down again and you need that pick me up you need that boost because most of the time we think of the negatives and with the positive it's just a short fragment of our imagination so we only think about it for a split second and then we focus on the negative and that's where a lot of uh, the issues comes with this generation with, with social media mostly where we're constantly trying to live up to false expectations by documenting your own expectations by documenting your own reality what I mean is we can actually see the life that we live instead of living through other people's reality and looking at what other people are doing so take the time to document your happiness whether that be through film as i said take pictures with your loved one take pictures of yourself or things that make you happy go do things that make you happy go for walks i don't know make sure that you're in an environment where you can actually thrive mm-hmm. and that's that goes to the point of building resiliency as well mm-hmm. i feel like i built more resiliency here in berlin as opposed to london so i feel like it gave me that space and that time just to focus on myself um and obviously with the whole covid thing uh, i i made it a mission to also um journal um like write down my feelings good bad everything and alhamdulillah i still have that so i'd love to just look back on like um, a year from now five months from now whatever i would um go on walks i would go to galleries and museums i would um take pictures on my little polaroid cameras i can't wait till i develop them and i can just see that um and i would do like um like videos and pictures so like when i look at pictures like i automatically remember this day what happened all of that um so like just while i focus on you um as i said like covid um it is like an obstacle but like once it's over you know you're going to go back to your life your reality so what have you done to like um basically improve yourself and hopefully you can carry that like I know a lot of people said they've changed and stuff and maybe they have alhamdulillah that's a good thing but make sure like you you keep that momentum as well like don't just think oh okay it was like a shit year 2020 I can't wait till 2021 why are you waiting till 2021 you know why can't you be what you are now and work towards it you know so um alhamdulillah I learned a lot about myself and I'm proud of that the next question is, um, what will you miss the most? Mm, I think I would probably miss my friends. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, there, it's so hard um, leaving a group of people behind that you've connected with on such a deeper level, who's mm. who've looked out for you mm. and know of your situation, know that the fact that I'm not a native speaker, mm. and, but still put your best interest before there sometimes, and yeah, and champion you and treat you like one of theirs you know it's, it's so hard um fitting in and we already spoke about it but them seeing past all of the your background or whatever mm-hmm. and just see you as a human being I think that's probably the thing that I'll miss the most and the fact that people here are less judgmental and they care less about your appearance they care less about where you are in terms of social status of all of your accomplishments mm-hmm. they'd rather see you as a human being mm-hmm. and yeah, measure you by your kindness 110 mm-hmm. percent. i feel like that's one thing that i love about berlin and it'll hold like a special place in my heart very different to london and the uk um one thing that i really miss is um i'd say like um being alone like I think that's one thing that I hated, but like that's I said, like, you'll you ever be alone again, kind of. Yeah, will I ever be? And at, at first I hated that. Like as I said, I was a very social, outgoing person, 
and I've learned to love being alone in my own presence and being like having that freedom having that independence and not just financially stuff like that or whatever but just freedom within yourself um and like as you said when I go back to UK as much as I love I'm gonna miss I miss my family um I feel like it's gonna be different and I'm so curious to know like how that works out um and I don't know like hopefully I can still take my um, um independence with me and like my freedom being alone as well being comfortable as well because as you said I think your weakness can also be your strength so if I can thrive being independent, being alone with my own thoughts, um, navigating myself alone, um, then I can do that anywhere else. In the I world. think that's really interesting. And we'll, we'll probably make another episode about it where mm. we talk about the aftermath mm. of study abroad and how we've um, managed to preserve our independence. Mm. Obviously, we haven't left yet, so it's up in the air right now. But mm. I think, yeah, it's going to be a constant struggle trying to um preserve our interests whether that be in our family or, or just by ourselves with letting other people um compromise our individuality and, and also prevent us from being alone with our thoughts and yeah just inf- infiltrating our mind mm. yeah I don't want to say like poison us but mm. making mm-hmm. us feel like some type of way where we feel like we're less than mm. and also when you're by yourself you you, as I said, you have to champion yourself. Mm. So when you're with other people, it's like you're constantly trying to see what they're doing. Mm. So it, it's about building resiliency and also trying to preserve your independence. Mm. So I feel like a lot of the stuff that we're saying just is going in circles because it links so much to each other. Yeah. And I hope I really, like, the person that I am here in Berlin, I hope I take that with me. Because I remember when I'd be in London, like, the weird things about people, um, like, I, I wouldn't really, like... um. I'd go, like, the only times I'd be alone is if I'm running errands, shopping, whatever. But, like, when it comes to actually sitting down, like, I would actually get dressed up and I would sit down on a meal. I would go to a coffee shop, bring my book and unplug. Like, I would legit randomly just get up and leave the house. And it's, like, with London and UK, I'd be like, oh, hoya. No, not even justify. Like, even if I'm going, alhamdulillah, hoya is not, like, the strict parents. But it's, like, I would have to be like, okay, hoya. Um, I'll tell in a couple of days, oh, hey, I want to do this. Like, or like, or it's, here, it's just, I pack my bags and I just go. Like, if I if I want to go to so-and-so, if I want to do this, if I want to do that, like, you don't have to justify anything. And plus, it's just like, you don't have to worry about anything. Like, you just be yourself unapologetically. One less thing to worry about. And also, like, being alone, as you said, like, going to coffees. Because I, when I used to go to coffee stores, I'd always just surf through the internet, just be on my phone, always be in a call with my friends. So I would just be having share cup. Read a book, but also one thing I've learned to appreciate about Berlin is grab my coffee or whatever, iced coffee, whatever it is, sit outside and just watch the birds, mm. watch the views, mm-hmm. like nature. And I'm sad because London doesn't have that, but I still hope that I take that with me. Well, I'd be alone and love it. Like, date yourself. Don't worry about what next man's doing. Don't worry about what next girl is doing. Love yourself. Date yourself. Alhamdulillah. If I ever had, like, a man version of Yasmin. Girl, it'll be over for everybody. <laughs> but like yeah like i hope that i take that with me so that's one thing that i'm gonna miss um the next one is the final one is what is your feedback um for fu like for our university and what is your feedback for bruna okay. in terms of like teaching or just in terms of like um mm. living here yeah i'm just trying to wrap my head around it um for a few i think i would probably um have like student like foreign international uh ambassadors so actual mm. foreign students mm. and this doesn't have to be just from the UK, but it could be from any anywhere else. So almost like a buddy or somebody that you're assigned to and that you can just 
go to whenever you're feeling down because you're in a different environment you know they should be a bit more accommodating of your emotions and you trying to make that uh difficult adjustment Mm -hmm. so um yeah so having a buddy and also um being a bit more accessible their office isn't that accessible Mm -hmm. and it's and it's always packed with other people so having your own designated person makes it easier Mm -hmm. so um for bruna it will probably be um yeah just cut down on the back and forth kind of thing i think they should um uh make stages so like stage one of your study abroad stage two instead of us just sending documents and making sure that they have it and that it's signed mm-hmm. i think that they should um have folders so like you uh complete this folder and then send it back to us instead of sending singular documents continuously yeah. and also i think they should also uh set us up with somebody as well who's mm-hmm. actually studied abroad and just like ask them some questions that the administrators might not be able to answer mm-hmm. and also promote it why is it not being promoted around the university mm-hmm. so much people want to do it but don't have uh, access to it mm-hmm. or know the necessary information i remember i had to watch a lot of youtube tutorials and a lot of them were americans Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to relate so having um british people go through the experience would be much more beneficial than an american Hmm. that's very interesting that you said that um my feedback um to to fu um would be um first and foremost as you said like a, a buddy but i really 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 would hope that they have like a designated place like a, a counselor like a mental health person because like we legit just uprooted we packed our bags and we left like mm. if you ask Hoya, like i took all my clothes in there as far as i'm concerned when i when i talked to the family about leaving they were just like your presence was gone like you just packed everything and you left and it was like um i packed and i started a new life here and it's like who did i have to speak to and because me and Hanu were experiencing this together so it's hard for us to like uh, talk about it because like, there's all this unanswered questions so i wish like, we had this counselor someone that we can vent to and because alhamdulillah in Brunei, like i had that like i had someone that i would go to and stuff like that and like just talk things through alhamdulillah and like give me guidance and stuff so i feel like i didn't have that here um and i feel like it was just weird it was like every man for themselves here which is like okay like i don't mind being babied and i don't mind being independent but like Damn, like if it's like that, y'all, y'all should have really told me this so I could mentally prepare. Um, one feedback that I have for actually two for Bruno is um, 100%. We need a, uh, an experienced a veteran, we need a veteran, sorry, um, someone that could actually tell us how it's going to be, what to expect, how to do certain things. So we're just ready and we're prepared. And also, please, 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 Bruno, fix up. Like, I don't know what's wrong with your offices. Like, I feel like I had to chase you. Like, I one thing I hate is if I have to ask you more than twice, well, I don't want it. I don't want that shit. Like, I just felt like I had to constantly say on follow up, hi, it's Yasmin, I was just following up on X, like, bro, I've sent you the damn email. Sometimes I'll send the exact same email again, like, you're taking the bloody piss. Um, and lastly, promotion as well. Since I remember specifically, before I chose my uh, course, I was thinking of doing the four year, the sandwich course. But I remember during one day, I think we came late to a lecture, they were talking about California and um, the like, uh, Berkeley's university, mm. they were talking about that. And I was like, oh shit, they're doing second year international like. But you know, you had to pay. Here it's fully funded. We we had to pay uh, a couple of thousands. I think like one to seven thousand. What do you mean? To go to the US. Oh damn! Yeah, you know here it's only nine hundred paid. Yeah, yeah. Because over there the tuition fees are so so expensive, and we were only paying a fraction of what actual students pay. But do we not? Yeah, but do we not actually just pay the nine? Oh no, we're paying. Oh shit! It would have been seven k. You're right. Because here we didn't even pay the 9k, we only just paid um like legit 10%, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever it was. We only paid 900, alhamdulillah. But um, I, that, 
one day we just came to class and then the teacher was, someone was just talking about it. And then I did more research and I found out that there were other universities like Prague, France. There were just so many other countries, like 10 other listed countries. Yeah. Um, so I feel like promotion is 100% because I'm having people message me talking about how did you do it, blah, blah, blah. Guys, if you actually have questions, well, I send your questions into quintessentially Somali's email. Well, I will actually, and the thing about it is it's going to be different to each person, their school, their course. Yeah. Well, I send it through and we're we'll going to help you. We'll yeah. try our best. I want to take this time to give a big shout out to 16-year-old Henny who wanted to study abroad mm. but didn't know how to go about asking her parents mm. and being scared because none of the university uh, websites were advertising it. Mm. Nobody, because it was 2016, nobody even in the YouTube community was documenting it. So it was such a foreign concept and I knew I wanted to do it, but it was just about how will I be executing this to finally finishing, to only having less than a week left mm. of my study abroad period. So mm. yeah, massive shout out to that. To 16 year old honey. And well, a big shout out to our parents for actually like being so understanding like your god sent to what i believe because like it was so surprising how there was like certain people in the family that were like oh this is different because no one's ever done this in my family i don't think everyone's done it no one's probably done it in the history yeah. of someone anymore but, but is maybe. your parents is your parents guessing you up though to like yeah. their friends yeah they're like they're limited international you, like, you actually need champions because like a lot of people were like oh you're lucky because my parents would never my parents would never and i was like okay mind you my mom probably Loki didn't want this to happen, but she I convinced that I said, Hoya, this is for me, this is bigger than me, this is bigger than Somalia. Like you need to understand, you left Wadanka, we left Somalia, do you remember we left Wadanka? We're making our own life here. So please, we've been westernized, but the same way you speak English, the same way you probably are different to the Somalis back home. I'm different to you. Like I had to actually explain that to her. And alhamdulillah she was understanding because a lot of parents would have been like, no, point that period. I think the the biggest argument I made was the fact that I made it I made it apparent that we're not on equal playing fields mm. with the uh, with our counterparts, mm. which is white people. Mm. Yeah, so in terms of closing that gap, we need to make sure that we have the same access to the same access to the opportunities that they have. Mm. They have an abundance of of opportunities, networks and connections, whereas we only know within ourselves within our community mm -hmm. so by studying abroad i've made an abundance of networking mm -hmm. i only thought i would just be studying mm -hmm. my degree here but mm -hmm. i've made, met so many people that i can go to now mm -hmm. and talk to them and i don't think you get that uh experience and opportunity had i uh, had i stayed in the uk mm -hmm. as you said like i remember this is infamous quite i can't remember i think Oh, I remember it was said by um, Viola Davis, but she quoted someone and it said, the difference between um, a white woman and a black woman is lack of opportunity. And well, that's true because it's like, you're seeing, I always thought study abroad was for the upper class, middle class, like um, white people. But um, alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm so glad that we're, we got this opportunity and that like study abroad is not just for like um, a certain, yeah, education, but also for a certain demographic, like anyone could do it. Like we're Muslims, we're Somali, we're females, and we are really breaking barriers. And I really, really want to hope more people, like the next generation, start looking into this because not only one thing I really love but it's, it's given us exposure international exposure and set us apart differently not even just with CVs but in terms yeah. of job prospects yeah. like if I can live alone and study I can work abroad what does that say about you? Yeah. Well, it says a lot about you like international exposure is such a big thing and I feel like alhamdulillah we set ourselves up in a place where it's like um, we're different mm -hmm. and we're different in a good way so guys I really really hope look into things and stop that doubt I feel like sometimes you are your own worst enemy like as much just as you can be do it. Just do it. That thing nice. that you want to do, do it. Do it. Do it. Write it down and do it. Like, wallahi. And I feel like 
the crazy thing is like when, when you think of thoughts and you're like, oh, this is so innovative, this is pioneering, this is so this, this is so that, and then you have that doubt. Wallahi, it's the whispers of shaitan, bro. Put that aside and just do it. Wallahi, and obviously, look, pray on it. And inshallah, like if, if you have good feeling and you have a good sign, do it. I done that with this, and alhamdulillah, it was like a good opportunity. The lowest person you want to get, do it, do it, do it. No, wallahi, like just wallahi, do it sometimes and just push yourself. And I promise you. You'll like be happy about it, and I think this was the podcast. You'll be glad you did it. You know? Since the podcast was one of them. The hardest thing is actually making the first step yeah. towards it. Yeah. When you actually get there, you realize it wasn't as hard as it was. Since the podcast, I remember like that first, uh, the first episode that we recorded, or the first one that we put. Since I was having a nervous break, I was like, <laughs> people are gonna talk. People, shut your fucking mouth. The same people that I thought were gonna talk, y'all watching me, y'all fans, y'all fans. You also listen to her. Y'all listen. I know you're sipping tea as well, and I love the fact that people that love it are telling us how they love it. The ones that are secretly watching, it's okay, guys. It's okay. Please, yeah. Show your face. Show, show your love. Show your love. Well, I'm a big fan believer, and I'll put this. I'll say it, and I'll say it again. I'll tell you that for free. The same. <laughs> give your no. Give um, give people your flower. Give people their flowers when they're alive and well. Like, well, like, I'm a big believer that like, if you appreciate someone's, uh, someone's work, someone's this, someone that, just tell them. Because then later on, like, God forbid, or if you never see them again, you're going to regret it. Yeah. I'm yeah. waiting for my flowers, guys. And if they inspire you, tell them you, they inspire you. Like, I don't know why people, we live in a society where it's like, yeah. or big culture. No. If I like you, I like you. Like, and just because I tell you I like you, doesn't mean I want to be your best friend. It doesn't mean me, I'm trying to kick it with you. Like, I like you, and it's okay. Yeah. So, guys, well, I just push yourself. Well, I believe, and I, I be, Everyone, if you're thinking about study abroad, do it. Like, speak to your parents and just remember, like, they're coming from a place where it's like, um, um, send us the emails, man. I'm brave. Send us an email. We'll have have to do it. So, part two about the tea, but send us the phone numbers. Do a bit of convincing. Do research. Don't just say, "Hey, I want to study abroad." Hey, I just, oh, like I, I want to live my best life. And your parents would know the type of person you're. Mm. They know you're financially responsible if you're independent. More chance of Somali yeah. girls were really holding the house with our back. We saved all, oh, alhamdulillah, we did that. We can do finances, oh, it's going to be another episode yeah. of finances. But we would really, like, our parents knew who we were, so they knew we would thrive and we'd be well without them. But as the same people, if your parents think that you, like, if you depend on your parents too much, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they but I don't know if it's that. for you. Well, mm-hmm. they, can, they can see that, so. That's another thing. I'm, in my family, I, we're a family of seven. Mm-hmm. I'm the least dependent on my parents. Mm-hmm. And they can see that. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why they let you go, because they know you're good. So um yeah well I believe just just think about it pray on it and just do it well I believe it's an experience nonetheless like I hate when people say oh it was the worst experience of my life okay but you learn what did you learn you know <laughs> so um yeah guys just do it well I believe and message us please 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 email message us whatever you want to do and inshallah it works out for you well I believe I wish you an abundance of success of wealth of happiness not even have a contentment well I believe happiness is so like um subjective. So subjective, subjective. Just contentment within, contentment within yourself, within your friendship groups, within your family, within everyone. Yeah, just more success to you, inshallah. Khair. I hope you flourish. Well, I hope that you have an amazing night, day, or whatever time that you're watching this, and stay healthy and put your mental health above anything else because that's what matters. I mean, I mean, I mean.